Thank you for listening to the Rivers Church podcast with Pastor Andre and the Rivers team. Be sure to subscribe for a weekly dose of encouragement and inspiration to help your daily life. We pray that this message will help in whatever season of life you might be in. Well, I'm beginning a new series, as I said, and I've called it The Seven Traits of Highly Miserable People. And you know, I don't know if you know miserable people around you. Maybe you're miserable yourself. But I noticed that when I was miserable, there were certain things I was doing, certain attitudes and habits that I had adopted that made me miserable. And we need to check these traits so that we're not miserable. We can enjoy the joy of the Lord. And you know, when you see miserable people, they have identifying characteristics or traits, if you like, and, uh, and they have certain ways of thinking. And some time back, I wrote a book called Pain is Inevitable, Misery is Optional, because you don't have to be miserable. You can make a choice each day to walk in the joy of the Lord and to say, no, I'm not going to be miserable. I recognize that trait, be gone in Jesus' name, and you live above the circumstances. And I think it's so important today for us to realize that certain traits, certain attitudes, certain ways of thinking, certain mindsets can produce misery in our lives. And maybe today you, you, you know someone who you're living with who is always miserable. Maybe you'll start to identify these seven traits, and we're not gonna deal with them all in one. We're just gonna deal with one today, so this is gonna be a while that we're gonna spend on this. But do you know someone who's miserable, or maybe you're miserable and you haven't identified why? Well, today we will discover why. Now, before we get into the first trait today, I was reading that American Airlines began a campaign of slimming their planes down. They started to put thinner seats in, more lightweight seats. They stopped using glassware, started using plastic. They removed some of the extra ovens in the plane, some of the extra screens and magazine racks. And they started to use even smaller packets of crisps. And the whole reason for them slimming down was they wanted to save weight. And when you save weight, the plane flies better and it flies easier. In fact, JetBlue went on such a campaign that they made each plane nearly 500 kilograms lighter. And the reason for that is because they burnt up 10.6 billion liters of fuel in the previous year. And I read in the article, they were saying that the lighter a plane is, the less energy and the easier it is to fly. And you know what I've discovered? The same is true of life. The lighter we are, the less burdens and weights we're carrying, the easier life is. Now notice in Hebrews chapter 12 and verse one, it says, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily hinders our progress. And you know, one of the weights that people carry that weighs them down and makes them miserable is simply this worry. Worry can weigh you down and make you incredibly miserable. Proverbs chapter 12 and verse 25 says this, worry weighs a person down. An encouraging word cheers a person up. And you know, one of the traits of miserable people is this, they constantly worry. And that's what I wanna to speak to you about today. To those of you that constantly worry, you might wonder why you're miserable. You might think it's your emotions, your hormones. You might think it's because of the country. No, it's because you constantly worry instead of handing your cares over to the Lord. Now, don't miss this today. You might think this is very simple, 
but worry weighs everyone down. I've noticed in my life, when I'm starting to become miserable, that trait is there. I'm worried, I'm worried about the future. I'm worried about when we're going back to church. I'm worried about the country, the crime, the economy, the things that are happening around us, the deaths of people. I start to, and I hang on a minute, this is making me miserable. I need to deal with worry so that I can enjoy the joy of the Lord. And you know, some people feel incomplete and irresponsible when they don't worry. And it's so important for us that we don't get into this pattern where we think it's responsible to worry. People worry about all sorts of things. Mainly today, people are worried about other people's opinions. We're worried about the future. We're worried about money and income. We're worried about paying our bills, our health, our weight, our family, our children, our friends, our country, the way we look, our costs that are rising, our jobs, Young people worry about writing exams. People worry about their spouses, their spouses' health, their faithfulness of their spouses. Will they let me down? How many of you know worry is not going to change that? Being found out is what people worry about as well as Christians when there's secret sin in their lives. And then people worry that they worry. And it's so important for us to realize that it's good to be responsible it's good to be someone who is concerned with one's life, good to take responsibility for your life and take precautions, but worry is a different matter. And you know, the difference between worry and genuine good concern is one will mobilize and motivate you, but worry will immobilize you and make you negative and make you miserable. I don't know if you know, but humans are the only creatures that God created that worry. Animals don't worry. And before we look at some of the facts concerning worry, let's read you from Matthew chapter six to remind ourselves about this important issue. Jesus says, so I tell you, don't worry about everyday life, whether you have enough food, drink, and clothes. Doesn't life consist of more than food and clothing? Look at the birds. Basically, they don't worry. They don't need to plant or harvest or put food in bonds because your heavenly Father feeds them and you are far more valuable to him than they are. Birds don't worry, animals don't worry, but human beings worry. And I wanna look at three things quickly, facts about worry that are very important, and then I'll give you four simple things on how we can stop constantly worrying. Number one, this is so important, and I don't know if you've realized it, but worry, it is destructive, never constructive. A lot of people think that by worrying, they're actually improving their lot in life. But worrying is incredibly destructive in our lives, never constructive. The great preacher John Wesley said, I would no more worry than I would curse or swear. You see, what he's saying there is it's akin to sin. It's a sin to worry because it's not trusting God. And so it's important for us to realize this, this damages our emotions, kills our joy, drains away our energy and our passion and brings a miserable attitude and it doesn't help us one bit. A Jewish proverb puts it like this, three things sap a man's strength, worry, travel and sin. We know sin drains us and saps our energy. Those of you that have traveled will know how draining that is. But number one, the Jewish proverb says, is worry. And worry adds nothing. It subtracts happiness, peace, and joy from our lives. Look at Matthew chapter six in the Living Bible in verse 27. Uh, Jesus asking, can all your worries add a single moment to your life? Of course not. Don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will bring its own worries. Today's trouble is enough for today. You know, to worry about tomorrow 
is to be unhappy today. It never helps you. It is never constructive. It is always destructive. And the famous radio host from way back, Bernard Meltzer, said worry is like a rocking chair. It gives you something to do, but doesn't get you anywhere. You see, by worrying, you feel like I'm doing, I'm doing something. I'm worrying about my kids. I'm worrying about my job. I'm worrying about, you know, and I've got to participate in, in this stress. But actually, it's like rocking on a rocking chair. You just stay in the same place. And actually, it subtracts from you. It doesn't add to your life. And when you start to worry, it consumes your thoughts, stops you from being a productive person, reduces your ability to trust God, and uh, it can negatively affect your relationships with others. People who are miserable tend to make others miserable. And you know, people who worry do three things when they get into that miserable state. They, they, they withdraw from others and from God. They keep questioning and asking why, and they stop trusting God. And you know, Gideon did that in the book of Judges chapter six. He withdrew and he asked why, and uh, he stopped trusting God. And I wanna read it to you today, because maybe that's where you are, and you, you, you know, it's, you, you're miserable, you don't know why, you can't understand why. You're wanting God to do something, but you've actually gotta stop worrying. And Judges chapter six here, it says, Joash's son Gideon had been threshing wheat by hand in the bottom of a grape press, not the place to thresh wheat, a pit where grapes were pressed to make wine. And it says here, for he was hiding. Withdrawal often happens when you start to worry and you start to get negative. And it says he was hiding from the Midianites and the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said, mighty soldier, the Lord is with you. And he says, uh, Gideon replied, if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? He's questioning God. He's withdrawn, he's hiding, he's fearful, he's worried. And now he questions God. And then he asks, and where are all the miracles our ancestors have told us about, such as when God brought them out of Egypt? Now the Lord has thrown us away and let the Midianites completely ruin us. You know, he's very clearly miserable here. And um, people who worry normally withdraw they stop trusting God, they ask why, and listen, they are of no help to others. If you're a Christian, you should be keeping yourself free from worry so that you can lift the spirits of others. And uh, we can worry about things and worry about things and it can go on for years and years and years. John Maxwell in one of his books tells about a man who, uh, whose wife woke him up and said, there's a burglar downstairs. So he took a baseball bat and he went down the stairs and the burglar was in the house. And when the burglar saw him, the burglar ran away and he ran after the burglar and he said to the burglar, wait, wait, come and meet my wife. She's been expecting you for the last 20 years. You know, that's what worry does. It doesn't help us. It's destructive. It is never constructive. Corrie ten Boom, the famous lady who hid Jews in Holland, said this. She said, worry does not empty tomorrow of sorrows. It empties today of strength. And so you're spoiling your today by worrying. Number two, the second thing about those who constantly worry, it is the great exaggerator. You know, when you worry, the problems and the things you're thinking about become bigger than they actually are. Worry gives a small thing a big shadow. 
Just think about that for a moment. You're worrying about something small, but because of worry, it gets exaggerated and it makes our problems seem bigger and larger than they are. It dominates our minds and it enlarges our challenges so that we become miserable. The definition of worry is this. It is a little trickle of fear that meanders through the brain until it cuts a channel into which all thoughts are drained. See, it starts as a small thing, but eventually it preoccupies and dominates your mind and it starts to exaggerate the problem instead of exaggerating the goodness of God. Think of people who worry about their health obsessively. They're known as hypochondriacs. And people who worry constantly will eventually end up worrying about their health. And when they worry, they start to see symptoms and they start to notice things. Yes, I'm sure it's this and I'm sure I've got that disease. And then, you know, doctors know this and often give them sugar pills, placebos. And the sugar pill actually heals the person because the whole thing has been built on worry. It's not actually a real condition. I was reading some time back that the Bishop of Dublin was very worried. He was one of these people. And although a man of God, he worried about paralysis because he noticed symptoms in himself and he thought, I'm sure I'm gonna become paralyzed. And so one day at dinner, he's sitting and he exclaims at the table, it's happened, it's happened. I'm, I'm, I've got paralysis in my leg. And the lady sitting next to him said, your grace, it would help you to know it's my leg you're squeezing. You know, worry can create in your mind such a real thing because it's an exaggerator and worry makes us miserable because it expects the worst, but faith makes us happy because it expects the best. And we've got to be careful of worry because it'll exaggerate every challenge in your life and you'll think it's bigger than God and bigger than you. Don't forget the 10 spies who went into the land and exaggerated all the challenges, so much so that the people around them, the Bible says in Numbers 14, they began to weep and cry. That's what happens. It becomes an emotional thing. You become miserable and you make everyone else miserable. It's the great exaggerate. The third thing about worry today is this. It's extremely unhealthy. I don't know if you know, it's not just mentally unhealthy, but it's emotionally and physically unhealthy for you to worry constantly. And an English proverb puts it like this, work won't kill, but worry will. You see, we think work will kill you. Oh, I, need to, I need a rest. No, you need a rest from your worries because if you worry constantly, it will actually kill you. And uh, I was reading that it was, it, it's, it's a deadly thing. It's not a harmless daily activity that most people participate. You know, everyone worries. No, 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 it's not harmless. It is incredibly destructive. And way back, the positive thinker and author, Norman Vincent Peale said this, worry is a destructive process of occupying the mind with thoughts contrary to God's love and care. Destructive process. It damages you and destroys you. And most people think it's a normal everyday activity. And worry and anxiety are a mental and physical response to fear. When we fear, like during this pandemic over the last while, we begin to worry and then it affects us physically. We start to stress and start to get anxiety. And the World Health Organization issued a paper where they estimate that nearly 300 million people worldwide have an anxiety disorder. When you walk through the shopping mall, through the airports, 
people are anxious, they are worried and concerned. Some experts even believe that if you've got generalized anxiety like that, it can bring on increased risk of heart disease and even suicide. And then if you use drugs and alcohol to try and deal with your anxiety and your worries, you actually increase the chance of having a heart attack and having bad health. And it's true, they say, that people who worry always suffer from bad health. Maybe you've been going to the Lord and asking Him to heal you. Maybe you've had ongoing health challenges. They could be related to worry and stress brought about by fear. They say ulcers are not just a physical condition that happen in your body, but ulcers are what we get from mountain climbing over mole hills. And uh, they say this, you don't get ulcers from what you eat, you get ulcers from what's eating you. I wanna ask you today, what's eating you? Are you constantly worrying? And if you're constantly worrying, it could affect your health. It exaggerates everything and it's destructive, not constructive. You may remember Alfred Nobel, the Swedish inventor. He said this, worry is the stomach's worst poison. And you know, the psalmist wrote about this, about how this can eat at us and how we've got to watch out with our health. Psalm 37, and I want to read it to you because it's about wound up, worried people who are full of anxiety. And it kind of here in the psalm explains that it can eat away at us. Psalm 37 and verse one, and I'm reading the Good News translation. It says, don't be worried on account of the wicked. Social media sometimes, don't worry about it. Don't be jealous or envious of those who do wrong. They will soon disappear like grass that dries up. They will die like plants that wither. Trust in the Lord and do good. Live in the land and be safe. Seek your happiness in the Lord and He will give you your heart's desire. Be patient and wait for the Lord to act. Don't be worried about those who prosper or those who succeed in their evil plans. Now notice this. Don't give in to worry or anger. It only leads to trouble. Notice that, don't give in to it. In other words, you've got a choice because if you give in to it, it leads to trouble, eats away at you, bad reactions, you become miserable, you become an angry person and you make everyone around you unhappy because you worried about things and it doesn't help at all. Now, some translations say this, don't fret instead of don't be worried in verse one. And uh, it's an interesting thing because the word fret comes from the English word fretten. And fretten means to gnaw, eat away, or devour. And then the Hebrew equivalent is kara. It's to set on fire and to start to burn. So here's the thing. When you worry, you know how it affects your health. It starts to eat away. It starts to devour. It gnaws at you like a rat. And it sets you on fire and burns down everything that God is trying to build in your life. So we mustn't worry because it affects our health, it can destroy our bodies. And a miserable attitude always comes from worry. You will never find a worried person that is happy. You cannot worry and be happy. So let's have a look today on how to overcome it. Four ways to overcome it very simply in the time I have left. Number one, if we cannot change it, then don't worry about it. This has been a mantra of mine and I've shared this with you many times, but I do think in the times we're living in, I need to repeat this. If you can't change something, why worry about it? It's not gonna change it. You know, and if you can change something, change it quickly. And then what you can't change, hand over to the Lord. Say, Lord, I can't do anything about this. 
but you certainly can. And uh, you don't carry it, you hand it over to him. What about our country and its politics, its contracted economy? You know, these, some, some of these things we can't do anything about. The crime in our country, we're victims of it. We can't change it. Maybe if we're in, 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 in the police or so on, but for the majority of us, we can't do anything about it. The corruption in our country, we can't do anything about it. And let me say this, if you're married to an unfaithful partner, by worrying, you can't change their character or do anything about it. Yes, but you know, what if? Well, what if? If they do it, if they're unfaithful, your worrying is not gonna change it. At least you can enjoy peace if they're not going to live according to God's best. Hand it over to the Lord and what you can change, change quickly instead of constantly, constantly worrying. Matthew chapter six, let me remind you. It says, can any of you by worrying add a single hour to your life? You see, it doesn't change anything when you worry. It has no impact, it makes no difference. So if I can give you some advice today, if you can change it, change it quickly. If you can't, hand it over to God and don't worry about it. Isn't that freeing? So simple. Number two, the second thing to do if you worry constantly is focus on the character and goodness of God. Don't focus on the problem. Don't focus on the issue. Focus on the fact that God is good and that the character of God is one where he wants to do good. God is a good God by nature. He's a loving God. Focus on that. Don't focus on the challenges and the fears that you have. Do you know that worry is a form of atheism because it doubts the character and the goodness and the ability of God to make a difference in our lives. That's what atheists are. They doubt that there is a God who is good and who's involved in our affairs. And when we start to worry, we start to enter into a form of atheism where we put God aside. And we must begin to trust him or we will become very miserable and hopeless. George Muller was a wonderful man. He was a thief and then he got converted and then he felt a call to help orphans and he uh, looked after uh, some 2,000 orphans. Listen to this. He started 117 schools that educated some 120,000 students and he did it by faith but depending on God. He never went around rallying people and raising money. He made requests but then he left it to God. And he knew the character and the goodness of God. God cares for orphans. He cares for widows. And surely if I'm doing his work and he's called me, then I know he will take care of people. And he saw supply. And he said this. He said, the beginning of anxiety is the end of faith. And the end of faith is the beginning of anxiety. And you know, he had a huge responsibility, uh, which, which uh, could easily have made any man miserable, but he didn't allow the responsibility of all those young people to make him miserable. He knew the character and he knew the goodness of God. And that's what he focused on. In fact, George Mueller knew the scriptures very well after he got converted and he knew the things that we know. And let me remind you what he knew that we need to remember today. Psalm 23 and verse one, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not be in want. That's the character of God and the goodness of God. Psalm 34 and verse 10, even strong young lions sometimes go hungry, but those of us who reverence the Lord will never lack any good thing. That's the character and goodness of God. And worry will wear us out. It'll steal our peace from us 
And uh, can I say, peace is not found in positive thinking. Peace is found where you trust in the character and goodness of God and you decide that I'm not going to worry. I know God is in control. He loves me and cares for me. And so I'm going to leave this matter with him. And you know, miserable people always feel alone. They always feel helpless because they have forgotten the character and the goodness of God. Oswald Chambers said this, worry is an indication that we think God cannot look after us. Isn't that the truth? So let's be careful here that we don't begin to focus on our challenges and our problems and start to carry them. And we think we're being responsible. Meanwhile, we're taking our eyes off God. We've lost sight of who he is and what he can do. And uh, we need to be reminded all the time of the goodness of God. Let me quickly remind you of a few verses here. Psalm 119 and verse 68. You would have heard this at Rivers over and over, but we need to hear it again today. You are good and the source of all good. Psalm 34 and verse eight, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. Psalm 100 and verse five, for the Lord is good and his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. He didn't just do it for them, he's gonna do it for us. If we focus on his character and his goodness. Here's another one, Psalm 145 and verse nine. The Lord is good to all, no exceptions. And he has compassion on all he has made. We need to be careful that we don't focus on our challenges all the time, but we focus on the character and goodness of God. I hope this is helping you today. Worry can make you miserable and the people around you miserable. Let's decide today we're not going to be miserable people. We're gonna be filled with the joy of the Lord. Number three, the third thing is focus on our future with God. So what we need to do here under this point is we need to focus on our future and delight in what God is still going to do. And it's a decision we have to make. In Proverbs 31, there's that wonderful woman with all her wonderful characteristics that's so often been preached and Pastor Wilma's dealt with that, it's sisters. And, uh, and here it says just one sentence, Proverbs 31 verse 25, she's clothed with strength and dignity and she laughs without fear of the future. You see, don't worry about the future. When you laugh at the future, it doesn't matter what's coming. I know who God is. I know God is on my side. I know he's good and he does good. I know the character and I know the goodness of God. And you know what? I can't change the future. If it unfolds badly, I know God will be with me. And we need to laugh at the future and look at the future with faith. Thomas Fuller, the British pastor said this. He said, he who fears not the future can be free to enjoy the present. We can't worry and worry about what's gonna happen and what could happen. We need to enjoy our lives every day, make every day a gift from God and enjoy it. And misery comes when we focus on the obstacles and the potential hardships and disasters that are coming our way. I was reading about downhill skiing and how difficult it can be when you ski downhill, especially when there are trees along the way. And they say one of the things that skiers have to keep in mind, or they will lose their equilibrium and lose their balance and lose their steadiness, is they mustn't focus on the trees they're trying to avoid. When you ski downhill and you really go fast, you have to look for the gaps and not focus on the trees. And when you focus on the gaps, that's when you can ski, you can be confident, and you get to your destination. And what we have to do as Christians is not look at the trees that are ahead. You know, you, can, you, you can't see the wood for trees. You've got to look for the gaps, the opportunities, and see through the trees to the future, to where you're going, to where God's taking you, 
then you won't worry because if you keep looking at the trees, you're likely to hit one of them and come unstuck. And Jesus warned us that in the future, things would get tough. But he told us what attitude to have. He told us not to worry. Notice this in Luke chapter 21. He tells us there's gonna be wars and rumors of wars and, and things are gonna go wrong. There's tribulation coming as a, you know, Christians are worried. No, 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 look what he says. He says here, when these things begin to take place, stand up and lift up your heads because your redemption is drawing near. You see, you need to see through it to what God is doing. This is gonna go wrong, that's gonna go wrong, but I'm looking for the opportunities, I'm looking through the gaps, and I'm seeing through to the history and the future that God has got for me. And that's what we need to do, focus on our future with God. We mustn't have fear of death or fear of the future. Let me remind you of Hebrews 13 and verse six, the advice that the writer gives us. He says, so we say with confidence, the Lord is my helper, I will not be afraid, what can man do to me? See, our future is not in the hands of men. Our future is hid with Christ in God. And we are full of hope of the good things that are ahead that God has for us. Get busy, get on with what you're doing. Get into your work, begin to dream dreams, begin to plan, begin to look for opportunity to stop worrying about all the things that are popping up and that are making you miserable. Do what Winston Churchill did when the war was on. Someone asked him, are you worried? He said, I'm too busy to worry. That's what we need to be, busy, getting on with it, seeing through the gaps, finding our way forward and focusing on our future in God. I love what Martin Luther said. He said, faith is permitting ourselves to be seized by the things we do not see. Don't look at the obstacles, don't worry about the challenges or imagine things but see through to the unseen in God and trust him for your future. Number four, as we begin to move to a close, replace worry with the word, prayer, and his presence. Man, some of you will switch off the TV right now. You say, I've heard that so many times. Stop, don't do it, wait. I want you to hear this. This is so important. And you've heard these verses, but we need to hear them again because many are constantly worrying and are miserable and are making others miserable. So Mark chapter four here, Jesus speaking about the word of God in parabolic form. He says, still others like seed sown among thorns, that's the word of God, sown among thorns. They hear the word, but the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth and the desires for other things, notice this, come in and choke the word. So when you hear the word, worry can choke the word out of your life. And it says making it unfruitful. Others, here's the positive. Like seed sown on good soil, hear the word and accept it. Watch this. And produce a crop 30, 60, or even 100 times what was sown. You see, worry is first on the list in choking out God's promises, God's character, God's goodness, God's future for you. And so you have to get more word because when the word comes into your life, guess what happens? It's like the chokehold is being released and you start to get filled with faith and happiness and joy and it counteracts worry, it counteracts fear and you live in the joy of the Lord. Let's choke out worry by stocking up 
on the Word. Read your Bible every day. Take time. Go into a quiet place in your study. Even if you have to go into the toilet, you've got a busy family, close the door. Read your Bible. Get God's Word into your heart and you find it will choke out worry because promises will come. The character of God will come. Your future in God will be, will, will be unlocked. You know, I know the plans I have. You plans to prosper you and to give you a future, the Lord says. There's so many good promises and it'll lift the worry off you and you'll come out happy. And people think you're happy because you've been in a quiet place. Meanwhile, you're happy because you've been filled with the Word of God. And here's the thing. You need to spend time in His presence. You know, not being in church is a challenging thing because the corporate presence of God often helps us in our busy lives. And so when we come into God's presence, we sense His power in us. We, we read the Word and it gives us information and it gives us promises and, and it feeds our souls. But then our spirits get filled by the Holy Spirit. And when you're in God's presence, something happens to you. Joy comes and worry goes. And it's so, so important that we get into God's presence. Years ago, I told the story of a man who was a pilot of a small plane. And as he flew along, the, he realized the plane had been standing in the hangar for a long, long time and hadn't been used. And they checked the engine and so on, and so it was okay. And as he was flying, he heard this gnawing sound behind him. And he turned around and realized there was a rat that had got onto the plane. And you know, rats like to chew at wiring, and he could see this rat chewing at the wiring. Now he couldn't stop and get out of the seat and try and deal with the rat. He wouldn't be able to catch the rat. So what could he do? There's no point uh, leaving it and he couldn't keep worrying about it, worrying that he'd land. So what he did was he just kept flying higher and higher and higher until the air got so thin. He turned around and there lay a dead rat. And you know, that's exactly what we need to do. There are things gnawing at us. There are things chewing at us. We can't get up and try and deal with them. We can't constantly worry about them because then we'll stop going in the direction God wants us to go in. But we can get higher and higher and closer and closer to Him because then those things will die off. They die off in His presence. And when you read the Word and when you pray and you cast your cares on the Lord, then all those things disappear and you start to experience the joy of the Lord. Charles Swindoll said, and what is it that brings wisdom and dispels worry? Worship. You see, when you start to spend time with God, start to thank Him for who He is and what He can do, it goes away. And we have to also pray because when you pray, you unburden yourself. Instead of worrying and talking to someone else about what you're worrying about, you take it to God. I must confess there are times when I don't do that. I chat to colleagues, I chat to Pastor Wilma about it. And instead of bringing it to the Lord and saying, Lord, this is bugging me, praying about it, I find myself becoming miserable and then I make others miserable instead of lifting their spirits. Two things the Bible tells us to do here. And I want you to notice the first one is about prayer. 1 Peter 5 and verse seven. Let him have all your worries and all your cares for he is always thinking about you and watching everything that concerns you. The J.B. Phillips translation of that verse in 1 Peter says this. It says, you can throw the whole weight of your anxieties upon him for you are his personal concern. So go to God in prayer, give him all that, then worship him and spend time in his presence and then get the word in, man, worry will go and you'll be a much happier person. But watch, it says something else. It says here in Psalm 27, the Lord is my light and my salvation, whom shall I fear? Watch that, the Lord is the stronghold of my life, of whom shall I be afraid? You know what he's saying here? I'm confident. 
I'm not worried, I'm confident, but watch. When evil men advance against me to devour my flesh, when my enemies and my foes attack me, they will stumble and fall. Though an army besiege me, my heart will not fear. It won't worry, why? Though war break out against me, even then I will be confident. So what the Bible is saying here is cast your cares on the Lord and don't throw away your confidence. But guess what we do? We carry all our burdens and we throw away our confidence instead of trusting in God. That's why we need the word. We need to go in prayer and unburden ourselves and we need his presence. Then we can live in the joy of the Lord and we can have happy lives and happy homes, even a happy nation. You know, we can do nothing about the circumstances that we're in right now, but we can do everything about our attitude. And I don't think God wants us to be miserable Christians he wants us to be filled with the joy of the Lord. I don't know if you've noticed, there are a lot of miserable people around. When you encounter people, they look down, they're angry, they're bitter, they're unhappy, they're gloomy. Why is that? Well, they've got problems. No, no, most of the time they are worried and they worry constantly. And you and I as believers should not be worried. And if we can identify the traits of miserable people, we can tell ourselves, no, I'm not going to live like that. I'm not gonna be one of those people. And today we can make a decision. I will not be an unhappy, miserable person. I have decided I'm gonna stop worrying. And right now where you find yourself at home, you can stop worrying. I'm gonna hand it over to God. I'm gonna change what I can change, but I'm gonna start living in the joy of the Lord. As I close, I wanna mention something. You know, when you come to Christ, you find the joy of the Lord immediately fills your heart because you suddenly discover, hey, someone loves me. Someone cares about me. I have been forgiven. I've got an awesome future. And you know, it is a wonderful thing when you give your life to Christ because instead of your burdens, you get his peace. And I wonder today if you know Christ. I was reading this wonderful bit of Irish philosophy about life and worry. And I wanna read it to you and then we're gonna pray. And it goes like this. There are only two things to worry about. Either you are healthy or you are sick. If you are healthy, then there's nothing to worry about. But if you are sick, there are only two things to worry about. Either you will get well or you will die. Stay with me. If you get well, well then there's nothing to worry about. But if you die, then there are only two things to worry about. Either you will go to heaven or to hell. If you go to heaven, then there's nothing to worry about. And then it ends, but if you go to hell, and it leaves us hanging. How simple is life? And how simple are our decisions? You know, if you know God, and you know where you're going, and you know what your future's like, you don't have to worry. Even if you've got an illness, even if you're facing challenges. Why? Because you know who you belong to, and you know where you're heading. And today I wonder, do you know who you belong to? and where you're heading. If you don't, you can pray this prayer with me on the screen and you can make Jesus the Lord of your life so that you don't have to worry about your future and your future beyond your death. Come, let's pray. And you can read the prayer on the screen. We always put it up on the screen so that you can follow along and you can pray and make a decision. Come pray with me. Father, I thank you today that you sent your son Jesus to take away my sin and the burdens I carry and to take away my failure and to give me hope for the future. 
Thank you for your forgiveness. I receive it today and I make it mine. Thank you that I'm promised a future with God because you took away my sin on the cross. I believe that today, I receive that today, and I make you the Lord of my life. Lift from me my burdens and my worries and make me a child of God. I thank you, Father, in Jesus' name, amen. We hope you have been blessed and inspired by this message. 